0: This is a Socialist News and Views special interview.
1: Well, okay. So a little formal introduction, if you will, right? Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. Well, call me, I mean, a, a nom de plume. Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, let's go with uh, Raul Duke. Okay. Just leave it at that. A little hint toward Hunter Thompson there. Um So, yeah, just call me Raul Duke for now, and that I guess, is that how I introduce myself?
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, anything else that, uh, you know, about your background or anything that makes you, Ah, uh, you know... uh, All right.
1: Well, okay, so, yeah, uh, so I'm Raul Duke, and I grew up on the border between Texas, South Texas, to be specific, uh, to be hyper-specific, the Rio, Rio Grande Valley, and the Mexican, the North Mexican border of Damaulipas, at the, at the mouth of the Rio Grande, where it, it flows into the Gulf of Mexico. So I grew up mostly in Mexico, but also in America, and, you know, with the beach an hour away, right? And I had a foot on each of these uh, low, you know, places as I grew up, and I, I'm fluent in english and i'm fluent in spanish uh, i also didn't come from a very like um, just a, on a personal note i didn't come from a very like political family background we were very apolitical uh, that being said and i also uh, never had a lot of faith in in mexican politics uh, but you know with amlo arriving uh, it really it really turned my head. It really made me take notice. It's it's interesting what he's doing. It's really fascinating what he's doing, and I and I think that when we as Americans uh, need to be paying attention to what other countries, uh, what other countries are doing to better the lives of their citizens and to change the 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 power corruption dynamic that we have uh, right now, uh, the neoliberal one that we have around the world right now.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, you've been telling me a little bit about uh, what uh, is going on in Mexico. But, yeah, if you just want to uh, share with uh, our listeners, you know, some of the um, things that you've been seeing or hearing and, uh, you know, what you think is uh, ultimately going on and and where this whole process is going right now.
1: Sure. Okay, so, like, let me me begin with a little context. You may or may not have heard of somebody called AMLO. A M L O Amlo, right? Those are uh, that's an acronym for the new Mexican president that just got elected two and a half three years ago. Obrador, Obrador, yeah. Mm-hmm. His full name is uh, Andrés Manuel López Obrador. That's his full name, but you know, people just call him Amlo because it's a lot easier to write and say and remember <laughs> and all that stuff, right? Right. Uh, and he turns out that he's 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 a he's a version. Of Bernie Sanders, leftist, in that that won the Mexican presidency here in Mexico. So look at this. This is interesting, right? Uh, Trump won in America. Bernie rose to power, and Bernie was vying for you know his presidential bid. And then over here in Mexico, somewhere in between all that ruckus, AMLO became president in the face of stiff. Stiff right wing opposition, neo right wing neoliberal opposition, and even uh, left wing corporate opposition, neoliberal. Uh, Right? Right. Um, So this guy came to power and he sets about, uh, he was telling people that he, and by the way, he ran for president several times and lost or got cheated out of his wins uh in those several times but he finally came to power and he came through a populist front where he was actually uh championing the indigenous and the poor people of Mexico. You know what I mean? He was uh praising them and speaking respectfully about them to them and so on, about how uh we can get our country to a better place. And that's part of the reason why he won. And he won by like a a sixty six percent majority. You know, something like, it it was like a bit of a political earthquake because nobody wins with that much, like that's unheard of, apparently, or something like that. But he had like a 67 or, I don't know, some some number, uh, I don't remember the number exactly, uh, but over 60, right? Right. Um, So anyway, he comes to power with this, uh, he's basically saying, we're going to take Mexico into the fourth transformation. Now, this is an interesting thing that he's saying, because he wasn't, he's not, he, he, the transformation also implies revolution, right? Uh, because Mexico's had three major revolutions, except Amo doesn't call them revolutions, he calls them transformations, right? Because each one, and he's correct, each one fundamentally transformed the way Mexico evolved politically and economically for the next, you know, decades kind of thing, right? Right. So uh, he's basically saying, "Look, we're going to have Republican austerity. We're going to have government austerity. We're gonna we're gonna obey the law as written, right? Right. So, uh, and and we're also going to uh, what was he saying here? So just quick,
0: um, you know, when sometimes when people hear uh, you know austerity, they're thinking about you know." Cutting social programs and things like that. But that's not
1: what you're talking about here, right? Exactly. Exactly. I love AMLO. He's he, It's great. He took this neoliberal word, you know, austerity, or even the f- neoliberal phrase, government austerity, where it means the government's going to take away funding from these uh, public services uh, because, you know, economics and stuff, Right. Uh, we gotta fix the books or something. You guys, uh, and let's the, and thus when they do that, they let in the private, the basically they, 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 for, they force people to use privatized versions of that public good that used to be provided at public cost. Uh, but in this particular case, what Amu was talking about is, uh, you know, on a, a Republican austerity is what he calls it. Um, uh, so wrapping my head around it. Um, but he's saying like, look, we're, we're gonna cut uh, the, the salaries of our politicians and our judges we're going to take that money that we've saved from cutting that and cutting a bunch of other government uh how do you call them excesses right perks and stuff that we don't really need that he feels you don't really need if you really want to work in government you know he, he feels like the the mexican elite have pampered themselves too much right so he's like okay we can we can cut back on this stuff and now we have the money to, to, to provide all these social services. Right. That's it. that's his game, right? So um,
0: so what kinds of things is he doing now then uh, uh, with the money or what things is he planning? Do you know? <sighs> oh,
1: okay. Well, not in the I, – I can't – I can give you – my limited understanding because i don't follow it as closely as i like i gotta i follow uh you, you know, world news in general us very specifically and european and then mexico third and uh, i i dip my toe every now and then but i can give you a general broad understanding and basically what i'm doing is i'm pointing the finger and saying y'all you you all should um, pay attention to what's going on over here because i think there's something we can learn from this situation as as citizens of America, you know, absolutely. Was, yeah. So one of the things that Amlo is uh, uh, one of the things he's, he speaks he 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 speaks elegantly, eloquently, and very proddingly. He has a specific cadence that's very prodding. I don't know how else to write it. <laughs> sure. It's, okay. Uh, <clears throat> where he he tries to be very clear and very concise, and he's very careful with the words he's choosing. And uh, I mean, I, I think. And one of the things he says is, like, he wants a government that's going to respect and attend to everyone, right? He says these things in in a national broadcast that he does, right? He says, our government is going to, we're going to work to get rid of corruption, and we're going to work to make our government respect and attend to everyone, you know, as best we can. Right. Including the poor. He says it. You know, and this is, again, in stark contrast to how neoliberal, like our neoliberal American system works. You know, over here, uh, the government is very, is has been gutted and the services are, I, I personally think, uh, like the customer service with um, institutions, you know what I mean? Where it's all automated, right? I'm quite soulless, and I, I a lot of times I don't find the option I'm looking for, and there's no recourse for me to find somebody to talk to and straighten this out. So, they, like literally, I'm I'm in an impossible situation right now, and and in the Mexican side, you can you can go talk to somebody, right? If, you know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, you see the difference there, right? That's one of those things that I'm. Uh, it's so anyway. Uh, no, another another that's good. What sorry,
0: I said that's good. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah it's really, um, I agree so, with you.
1: Thank you. Uh, so another thing he was also aiming for, as a kind of broad thing about his fourth transformation, is the separation of political power from economic power. Uh, listen to that, it sounds good. Like he's telling the public, Hey, look, we got to work on separating these two elements because they're a problem. You know what I mean. And I don't well. If you know a little bit about history, like one of the, I think the second revolution in Mexico or transformation in Mexico was the separation of church and state. Hmm. So it it's right separation. right on the same lines there. So you see how decades, you know, centuries later, uh, this guy comes along. He says, "Okay, we've done the separation of church and state. Now we got to do the separation of political power from economic power." Um.
0: Another, another thing you sent me the other day was about uh, the providing the packages of books to citizens, um, books on oh. social, cultural, and economic rights. Uh, can you say any more about that?
1: I would love to, uh, and I will get to that. Let me, look, sure. Can I get to that a little No, bit please do.
0: Take okay, your time. Okay. I just wanted to make sure Remind to me if I
1: forget, but I, make sure I we think hit I everything. I have got a lot of front-loading to get through here. No, go uh, for it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so – I, I, and basically, I, you know, I understand English and Spanish, uh, except my Spanish has gotten quite dusty. So I, I some terms are a little. Uh, but anyway, I love listening to this guy speak this. i guy. Oh, OK. Part of him coming into office was him. Basically changing the ways the government worked. Um, and he was quite clever about it. So he basically promised that. He, he paid, when he got into office he put the presidential airplane up for sale and the presidential Mexican president airplane was more expensive than the American airplane for some reason uh, you know hundred million dollars or something um, and wow. it was it was super luxurious it was um, kind of a symbol of neoliberalism in a way. Right. And Amlo rejected it. And he said, "Nope, we don't need that anymore. If you're going to be a president of Mexico, you can fly commercial, uh, you can fly commercial just like everybody else. And that's what he does. Right. He he basically did that. He got rid of the presidential car, the, the I don't know, the, the security car, the bulletproof car, uh, you know, that all presidents get or whatever. Right. Uh, he got rid of that. And he drives around a little Volvo, I think, or something. Something very, very mundane. He got rid of, and here, this is really earth shattering. Uh, he got rid of the president's security team. Like this president's security army. There, there were like 6,000 of these guys. It, it, ridiculous number, like a ridiculous number. But the 6,000 or so uh, people that were part of his security detail got dispersed into other departments, other security operations. He's basically like, if you're, if you're going to be the president of the Mexican people and they love and respect you, you shouldn't need this. You know, you you only need this if you, you're making people angry. So you don't need the future presidents. You don't need this. I'll, I'll show the way. So he got rid of those guys. Right. You with me? Oh, I'm with you. All right. All right. Now, he also created the National Guard out of thin air and basically said, okay, all you security elements that I let go of, you can go into the National Guard if you like and, and, you know, be part of that thing. And that's kind of like a, I don't know, I don't know, it, it's, a, it's like a, a branch of the Army that like it's, but it's a National Guard and they're all over and they're meant to be helpers and like helper soldiers. So they're security soldiers for internal problems like you know the mafia problems that mexico has um and and also for natural disasters and even for citizen assistance and i'll get to that in a little bit later okay the national sure. Guard's an interesting thing and i see them on a daily basis you know patrolling the streets or positioned in in places and that's uh I think so far, it's a good thing. Uh, I also heard rumors that he um, disbanded the Federales, which is like the Mexican equivalent of the FBI. Um, I haven't confirmed that, but that's still pretty pretty interesting because, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of corruption in that, in that institution. So that, that hopefully is something that uh, it turns out to be true. I need to confirm that. Okay, wait. So he got rid of the airplane. He got rid of his presidential car, his security detail. He flies commercial. He drives a Volvo. Um, oh, right. And he promised the Mexican people, be, he recognized the severity of the moment. And for Mexico, he's like, look, we're in crisis. We got a lot of corruption. We got a lot of like violence. We got a lot of. Like, our country is very insecure. He recognized all of this to the public. He says, and we need to, we need to transform this country in a peaceful way. He stresses peaceful, right? Right. Uh, uh, by, by, by following and refining the laws and getting rid of all this government excess. And part of the reason how I'm going to show you that I'm serious about this, me, the president, is I'm going to be Monday, like every day, I'm going to give a mañanera. Uh, Mañanera is uh, a morning talk. So every morning at seven o'clock at the presidential, no, it's in in a church in Mexico City, in downtown Mexico City. It's like an abandoned church that they turned into an impromptu meeting hall, right? And uh, he said, uh, he told him, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be there every morning at seven o'clock to talk to you about the nation's problems and to, and to address the nation's problems, and I will have my, my ministers with me, and they will answer questions for you. And cleverly, listen, putting his ministers on the spot. Right. Be like, you know, you're not just going to report to me. You're reporting to the public now. You know what I mean? Like, right. And, he, and, and everything about him is like, don't be corrupt. Don't, but in a kind of nice, but stern way, like, hey, stop, stop doing that. Like, I'm going to put you in positions where you're going to be held accountable. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. So the okay. So he's doing these mañaneras. Literally, he's been doing these mañaneras all this time. Fascinating. Fascinating stuff, man. Like really, the reporters that, that are working for the Mexican establishment right wing and how they're trying to like set him up or trip him up and the way he handles himself. And it's really quite fascinating. Uh, and uh, it hasn't been an easy go for him. He's had to deal with a lot of you know, strife in the political parties, but he's also shaking the boat and getting getting results. But I'll get into that later. Uh, I'm still talking about, uh, so I was telling you, about he does the Mañaneras, right? The early day. And right. he's been doing that forever. And you can find them all on YouTube, by the way, but they're not translated to English, unfortunately. Um, <clears throat> and then he he uh, he cut his presidential salary in half. Right,
0: right. That's okay. significant.
1: It's very significant, indeed. Because ten years ago, before Amlo came to power, and again, I'm I'm not sure how many years ago it was. I'm just going to say ten years ago. There was a law that was that some somebody else put into place, not Amlo. Somebody else, some other entity in the political government of Mexico put in a law that's basically said something like. Uh, uh, no political functionary, bureaucrat, etc. can have a higher salary than the president of Mexico. Mm. So, 10 years pass. Along comes Amlo. Amlo knows that that law is in the books. And he says, I'm just going to cut my, my, my salary in half. Uh, you know, instead of giving me 100000 give me, 100, me 50000 or whatever. I don't need that much. I'm a humble mm-hmm. guy. Forcing everybody else, the whole government structure, to re their salaries. You, you, you Do you realize? know what effect that had? Did,
0: did uh, Were there uh, politicians that actually also had to cut their salaries? Do you know? Yeah, they had okay. to
1: cut their salaries. And there was, okay, so where it got interesting in that regard is the Supreme Court judges of Mexico had ridiculous perks, ridiculous, I mean, just extravagant, extravagant pay, extravagant perks. You know, just like ridiculous. Right. And when Me- when he did this, when Amlo cut his presidential salary in half, he really upset their apple cart. So they, they literally started a kind of a mini war between the president of Mexico and the S- Supreme Court justices who were like, no, we're going to we're going to challenge this in our court and we're, we're going to rule on it. And you're going to lose because we're the Supreme Court justices. boy. You know, right. and and, and am like, bring it. And uh, because he, he gets to control where they operate out of They can send them work in the boonies if uh, if uh, it doesn't go his way, you know. OK, fine. For the next four years, you're operating out of, you know, uh, the butt end of the, the colony or whatever.
0: So uh, he's got a lot of power to change things. I mean, he's got a lot of discretion, it seems like in a lot of uh things you know what the mexican president is very powerful
1: he's not all powerful right he's got um i mean seriously he's got he's got clout to to twist things around now there's a lot of right-wing opposition right-wing establishment opposition and there are i suspect elements that are funded by the, the 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 u.s in mexico Mm-hmm. And to kind uh, of continue the the status quo, neoliberal order of corruption and back dealing and this kind of thing, and O'Malley's over here trying to clean it up, right? So, so they're they're constantly trying to smear him and denigrating him in the Mexican media. So, uh, here in Mexico, there's a divide between people, you know. Uh, a uh, certain percentage really don't like this guy and a whole bunch uh, other percentage do. And you so, know, you sense. know, cle- cleaning up,
0: you know, the perks and everything was something he got elected on. So that's – does he still have all, you know, like uh, mass support then? Uh, or how, how is his support amongst uh, – working people amongst the public right now?
1: <sighs> do yeah, you know? that's hard to – that's hard to judge. But I, I – seriously, everybody that I politically – that I live in Mexico, that I hang out family members and stuff. They're all right-wing and don't know it. Sure. So they all have a sort of negative perspective on this guy. But it also has to do with race and class and economics, you know. And uh, people on a lower lower economic uh, class and race scale, like the more indigenous people of Mexico, really like the guy because they think he's actually doing the right thing. Right. He's... He's they, they, they really believe his message and they understand because he speaks directly to them in these uh, in these meetings. He says, I need the people's help to clean up this country. I can't do it on my own. Please help me. It sounds like Here's, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> right. Right. Except this guy's actually getting things done. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. No. I got to call it how, like it is, man. I love Bernie, but he didn't get it done, man. You so know? on the, so on the
0: aside, uh, you know, so you said all these, uh, people around you are right wing and don't know it. So how did you, uh, how did you end up with the perspectives that, uh, that you have, uh, and the, uh, interest in, uh, the, this kind of politics that you have?
1: Uh, well, okay. Uh, you know, I'm going to tell my, I'm going to tell you right up. I consider myself like an eco-socialist, even though I haven't like really nailed on everything. But in the general sense I, I believe that we can do better uh, ecologically and it will benefit everybody if we kind of focus on, you know, improving our environment uh, kind of thing. It would be better for us if we uh, try to incorporate the word harmony into our, um, into our lives. Makes you know? sense. You know, we don't, we Americans don't use the word harmony a lot unless they're in a band. <laughs> that's true. I mean? I think <laughs> that's America need, for you. It, well, I think we can, you know, we can, we can change a lot of things. We can choose a lot of different things. It's, that's America too. And I think we need to choose to incorporate a little more harmony in our citizens' lives, right? Um, and I came to this stumbling, I came to this position in my life stumbling in the dark but always reading a lot and questioning and having questions in my head that were never answered up until I got to a certain point in my life in age. And I saw enough things. I had enough experience so where things clicked. Right. And then, and then I would read the next guy. I would challenge myself a little, I, not challenge. It was very, you know, I, I went, I started off as a lot, uh, when I was a locksmith in Florida, uh, my bosses all listened to right wing radio and I didn't know any better. I was apolitical at the time, so I drove around Florida for six months listening to right wing radio: Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, uh, Bill O'Reilly. I mean, all this vile, putrid uh, cesspit of of the you know the very demons of uh, I don't know the the, the, the the that you know. I right hear you. Right wing hate radio, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and eventually, I got to the point where I'm driving around, doing my job, and I get sick of hearing these guys because they're shutting people down. They're being rude to them. They're not, like, listening respectfully or courteously. They're talking over them and being bullies. And right. after, like, I don't know. I don't think it took me six months. I think, I think it took three months. I, I literally, after three months of moronically and blindly listening to whatever these guys are listening to, I turned the dial and I started looking for something and I didn't want to listen to music. I just wanted to hear an interesting conversation, you know? And mm-hmm. I remembered that there was like, uh, what was it? NPR? Yeah, but or not NPR. It was the the public broadcasting channel that's on the FM, AM, AM dial. In okay. My, in the southern parts of America. And I remembered that and I turned it to AM and I, and I ended up finding NPR, the, the, the channel. And I started listening to that, and it was night and day. And it was night and day. And it was very like reasoned conversations and thoughtful perspective, and no yelling over, no none of this right wing hate radio. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. That, right, right, right. So, and that, sorry, no. I mind. was just gonna say
0: you mentioned books too. I was just gonna kind of uh, oh, if, yeah. see if you wanted to throw out a couple.
1: Uh, of
0: things you've read recently before before we go back to the Amlo thing, I was just okay, going to sure. throw that out uh, there.
1: What have I read recently? Uh, well, David Graeber's uh, "Debt: The First Five Thousand Years" is uh, one of the books I'm currently working through. It's fascinating. David Graeber great, um, a really good book that explains to you like the evolution of this term we call debt and how different and you know, it's I can't I can talk about that for an hour, but I, I won't. No, I, no, no. I also read uh, uh, Richard Wolf. Um, he's got several books that uh, uh, you know, the sickness is the system, I think is one of them, and uh, that's also a really fascinating uh, uh, book as well. I, I have a whole backlog of things that I need to be reading. No, that's good. I just
0: wanted to get a just get a little perspective here what you're uh, what you're reading. Yeah, sorry. So. I, uh, I didn't want to take too much time aside. But, yeah, if you want to talk, uh, keep going a little bit about uh, Obrador. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, so about Amlo, I mean, he's pretty much done a lot of the things he's promised. I was looking at somebody right now saying like 95 of his uh, political promises are being fulfilled uh, out of 100 commitments uh, that he, that he took place. Uh, so that's really good. I need to look at those closely. Uh, right. I was going to say, if that's true,
0: that doesn't happen in the U.S. very often.
1: No, it doesn't. <laughs> if ever. And, and Exactly. And also, uh, another thing that I wanted to point out is that AMLO is quite um, uh, direct in attacking neoliberalism. And he mentions it by name and he talks about it. And he's not the only one. Like, there's lots of Latin countries right now. That are are critical of the neoliberal order as it is. But I, I just want to point out that Ambo actually talks about it and blames it as one of the one of the problems plaguing Mexico. You know, right. I find that quite fascinating. Um, that he that he's so. You know,
0: I mean, if we're gonna take you know, if we're gonna take any of this stuff on, we got to start naming naming names, naming what things are. Right. So yeah, calling and that's things what they are, and that's possibly where Bernie sometimes falls down uh you know because i think sometimes he's not willing to call it the democrats as strongly or as directly uh for some of the things that they do
1: right well you know i'm always going to love bernie for having opened that door and held it open for the left to sort of come back into the conversation uh in, in america on the american stage and for getting that conversation started but i i think uh, uh we need to take it further you know? absolutely everybody the citizenry, us, we have to take it further than what Bernie Sanders is. Bernie Sanders is only willing to go so far with this whole thing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, And and we need to find the people that are willing to go the next inch or the next millimeter and push those people forward and support those people. Um, AMLO winning uh, is just something really really fascinating and i think a lot of people should be paying attention to what this guy's doing because can you imagine oh uh so can you imagine washington cutting everybody's salary no in half for the elite you know any one of these any one of our dear leaders you know stepping forward and saying you know i'm the minister of transportation and i'm going to cut my salary in half and the other half we can use for public transportation here you go I don't need that much money. I, I can live in this humble house and drive a humble car. I don't need a private jet. Do you think that's ever going to happen? No. No, right? But it's happening in Mexico, bro. So that is that uh, is that. That is always something very fascinating. Oh, okay. And, and one of the things that uh, we talked about earlier was the books that, right. he's, that he's sending out. So Amo's um, government is printing out these lovely set of books that he sends to whoever wants them and some places are actually providing them without even asking. Um, and these books are, uh, let me see here. Let me find the, the file that has them here. There, So there's a book set that says the political constitution of the me- the, the, the United States of Mexico, like the, um, The general law of institutions and election procedures, uh the general law of political parties, uh like basically all the technical books to how the political parties work. He's sending he's sending that out for free. Right? Uh the Declaration of Universal Human Rights. That's a book he's sending out for free. Right? Right. Uh his political party called Morena. Uh, which their tagline is The Hope of Mexico. He's, uh, he's sending out the basic document, the basic political documents of what Morena should stand for. Hmm. You know what I mean? As opposed to the reality, I guess. Uh, a book on the origin of violence against the woman. Another book on the rights of women with a queer eye perspective on on gender, gender, Hmm. right? Another book on the political rights of women in Mexico. What is that?
0: I think I'm looking at that one. What is that in Spanish?
1: Derechos Politicos de las Mujeres en México. Oh, yeah, there I see it. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I I think
0: I'm looking at the same page. I tried to pull up those pictures, yeah.
1: I'm swiping now to the other page. Okay, so I think I'm going to have to swipe past this one. Uh, Oh, that one I'm also going to swipe past. Uh, Let's see. That's the whole set there. Uh, Okay, I think Oh, yeah, there's another book called uh, Protocols uh, for the Attention to Political Violence Against Women and and Reasons of Gender, and Reasons of Gender, yeah. So, this is a book he, he put out. Okay, so here are the six books in another thing. Uh, so, these are really interesting. So, you're going to get, if you order these books, you're going to get these other six books, which are starting with the Declaration of Universal Human Rights, right? Right. Then you're going to get the Pact on International Rights, Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights, the Convention over the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against the Women, Women, not the Women, the International Pact on Civil and Political Rights. The other book is uh, International Conventions, on eliminating all forms of dis- racial discrimination. Wow, and the last one, uh, the Convention on the Rights of Handicapped and Faculty uh, Affected People. Those are the six books you get in that pack.
0: Have you have you like really looked into uh, looked through any of these books at all, or have you just seen the seen them at uh, the covers and stuff? I mean,
1: I, the covers, and I flipped through them. I just saw them the other day. I just found out yesterday. I just <laughs> want to point out that it sends a very powerful message, I think, to the people in a country when you're in, your your president is well-spoken, erudite, uh, eloquent, and has a reason behind his things. He's upsetting the political power part. You know what I mean? Right. And he's... he's He's t- trying to tell people, look, like we're going to fight against corruption. If we're going to make a better place, and we have to be nice to people, and our government has to serve poor people. Hey, by the way, here's a bunch of books, starting with the the, the human rights book. You yeah, I,
0: th- I mean, I think certainly uh, informing people about their uh, rights is a is a huge step in the uh, uh, process of building the kind of society that can get rid of all these. Um, you know, people in power and people with undue influence on the political process, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, like I've, a lot of my work has been like union work and, you know, any, any chance that the employer has to, you know, uh, hide or uh, not respond or not give you the information that you need, they take every chance that they have. And so, you know, if you're, if, if the uh, people in power are giving you some of the information about your rights, uh, especially without even you uh, requesting it or you pushing for it, well, that's going in the right direction for
1: sure. It, it, it's really, uh, I mean, I, I look over across the border, because remember I have one leg on each in each country. I can sort of, I understand both countries, and it's really fascinating what this guy's accomplishing in his presidency. And, and, and at the same time, I get to see the United States and go, Why? Why doesn't this happen? Why doesn't this conversation happen?
0: Right. You know what I mean. Certainly gives you a different perspective, and hopefully, uh, you know, gives you additional expectations uh, on uh, what we should be doing here in the states.
1: Uh, Not only expectations, but maybe demands. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think demands is probably the better. The better option here. We need a demand. We got
0: to get we got to get organized to make demands. That's where the... <laughs>
1: that's, that's right. Organization. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Getting getting to know your brother and sister. Uh, citizen. And, you know, and, and, and figuring out a way to, to make the country a better place as opposed to just uh, running in place.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's what we're doing right here, right now. Is so. Talking to each other, learning about what's going on. Um, Mm -hmm. so that we can keep our eyes on uh, progress. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, we're all, like you said, brothers and sisters across the whole uh, globe. Uh, And I think we all need to be keeping an eye on what's going on in every other country and um, calling it out when it's, uh, you know, not in the interests of regular people and, uh, you know, trying to show solidarity when uh, folks are moving towards a more just uh, equal and, uh, fair society. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and, and actually that's one of the things that I, that I think, uh, needs to happen is that we need to have more conversations. We need to have I I don't know, a podcast or show of some kind where we're bringing in the lefties from, uh, the European union and, and giving us some context and, and, uh, real-time on-the-ground information as well and history of their struggles over there and how they relate to our struggles over here. Uh, if I could just take a minute to explain? Go ahead. Oh, okay. So, like, over here, we're struggling for Medicare for All. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a struggle we're it is ongoing here in the United States. Right. But, for example, Norway and uh, most of Scandinavia already had that debate, already had that struggle. And it came out, hands down, we're having universal health care. Correct? Correct. Okay. So what I would say is I would want to bring on like a Norwegian, a French guy, whatever, a German guy, sit them down and go, okay, so uh, when this when this happened, when this struggle happened in your country, who were the the people opposing this idea? And what were their arguments? And who were the people backing this idea? what were their arguments is there any correlation between these arguments and our arguments over here and what can we learn from them you know what i mean and we're going to learn that the right wing is always scaremongering and fear mongering and you know you, making mountains out of molehills and you
0: can just look at you can just look at the history of the struggles we have engaged in in the united states to see that right you know like look at you know the struggle against segregation or whatever and all of the uh you know, blowing things out of proportion and saying, you know, this is mm-hmm. the end of society, and mm-hmm. this goes against God, and all the other tropes that the right wing pulls out for anything that they don't agree with.
1: Right, exactly. And I think I think there's elements of that uh, back in those struggles in Norway. That there, there must have been right-wing elements of that, but but they lost. Hey, they they whatever argument there was, they didn't do it well. And I think we should study those all of that and have a real life Norwegian say, well, you know what, the right wing was pushing back on this, but there were too many people that were invested in this idea as a, as a citizen of good that we can't afford and we should invest in because X, Y, and Z, statistical, scientifically proven factors will make our lives better. And so we chose that reason. And also, it's the humane thing to do. So we chose that reason. You know what I mean? We need to have their, uh, you know, their insight into this and, uh, mm. I think that's uh, I look forward to someday getting that going.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Well, I appreciate you talking to me. And, uh, you know, yeah, we have a lot of work to do in the United States to uh, push things forward. And uh, I think, you know, we can do it. And we, I agree with you. We need to turn our eyes towards uh, other countries where uh, they are winning some of these struggles and uh, see what they're doing and see what's uh, been done historically both in the U.S. and around the world.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, man.
0: That's the end of our special interview. If you have questions, comments, concerns about this interview on AMLO, please send those to socialist.news.views at gmail.com. This has been a Socialist News and Views special interview.